It's finally here. NFL Draft Week. After months and months of breaking down all these players from every single angle you can think of, we're at last going to find out where all these prospects will be playing in the NFL. No need to beat around the bush. The most interesting and also most important position is the quarterback group. We've seemingly mentioned Baker Mayfield on every episode since January. Here at West of Everest, we believe Mayfield is the best quarterback to ever play at Oklahoma. Yes, even better than Sam Bradford. I have also said multiple times on this show that Mayfield is the best quarterback in this draft class, and if I was Browns general manager John Dorsey, I would select Mayfield with the number one pick. But here's where this opening take shifts. Over the last week, and I can't believe I'm saying this, over the last seven days, I've cooled a bit on Baker Mayfield. Now, last week, Mayfield's Behind Baker series premiered on Facebook. A new episode has come out every day since Friday, and as of this taping, I've seen every episode through episode five. This series has done absolutely zero favors for Mayfield. Listen, we all know who Baker Mayfield is. He's a great quarterback with a massive chip on his shoulder. And let's be honest, if Mayfield played for, say, Texas or another team that we all didn't like or didn't care much about, we'd all probably hate the guy, would we not? Granted, I would like to think that I'd be able to acknowledge his amazing football abilities, even if he did play for a team that I hated. Now, behind Baker, this documentary series shows us more of what Mayfield is off the field, which is a super confident 20-something-year-old kid living in L.A. right now who takes football very seriously, but also relishes all of the things that come with being a star quarterback. For example, a big plot point in episodes four and five is Mayfield's quest to be signed by Nike. In one of the episodes, he's going over possible logos for his own Baker Mayfield brand. It looks like he's trying to start a fashion line. At the end of episode five, Mayfield is being pitched ideas for his own underwear line, which to be fair to Baker, Mayfield kind of makes fun of that. Here's the thing. All of this stuff is probably normal these days for people like Baker Mayfield. He is a brand. Sure. There's money to be made from all of these things, of course. And I think that's great. I love capitalism. I hope he makes as much money as he possibly can for all of his talents. Why not? But I don't really care about all that stuff. Those are not the behind-the-scenes moments I need to see from Baker Mayfield. What I need to see and what I want to see behind the scenes is Mayfield playing and pausing film on his computer. I want to see him taking mental notes on when to check out of a play, when to adjust protection at the line. Those are the things that will continue to enhance his football acumen. Now, you may be thinking the implication here by me is that Mayfield cares more about the off-the-field stuff right now as opposed to the on-the-field things. No, I do not believe that's true. Football comes first for Baker Mayfield. There's no question about that. But the point is, we've had nothing but time to critique this guy since January. Image-wise, Mayfield certainly seems like he's trying his best to check all the boxes of a future bust in the NFL. Put yourself in the shoes of, let's say, a Florida football fan. Somebody who hasn't seen many Oklahoma games and maybe just watched Mayfield for the first time in the Rose Bowl. If you'd followed the NFL draft coverage since January and only had a surface-level understanding of Baker Mayfield 
and you saw Mayfield's comments at the Combine about being the guy who can turn around the Browns, the only guy who can turn around the Browns. And maybe you've watched a lot of ESPN, a lot of Fox Sports 1, and you've seen that police video from February of 2017, and, and you've heard all about that Kansas game and, of course, the flag plant against Ohio State. Maybe you've seen some of this behind Baker show on Facebook. Wouldn't you think he's going to be more bust than boom at this point? Here's the deal, and I've said this about Mayfield for a long time now. Mayfield's antics don't matter as long as he plays well. But if and when he takes a bad sack in a big moment or throws three bad picks and costs his team the game at the next level, if and when he doesn't play well, that's when people will snipe him and bring up all the quote-unquote red flags. And you know what? It'll all be fair criticism. So far in his football life, Baker Mayfield has been able to back up his talk and his actions with stellar play on the field. But there will be moments in the NFL where he struggles. Everybody struggles at some point in the league. How will Mayfield handle that? We don't know the answer to that question yet. My only hope is that Mayfield will go to the tape, watch back the film, fix his issues on the field when bad things happened, spend a lot of time doing that, as opposed to spending a lot of time deciding which headband he's going to wear for the next game. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Wilson and Clayton to the near side. Jones wide to the left, and that's Clayton in motion on second and goal. Here comes a blitz. Play action. Right to the end zone. Touchdown. Travis Wilson from five yards from Jason White. What a drive to open things up for Oklahoma. Oh, yes. What a drive it was for Oklahoma. The Sooners went 92 yards to open the 2005 Orange Bowl against USC. Jason White's five-yard touchdown pass to Travis Wilson capped the great drive and gave the Sooners a 7-0 lead over the Trojans. Then the rest of the game was a disaster. USC destroyed Oklahoma 55-19, winning the national championship on the way. But hey, Travis Wilson, the guy highlighting our intro today, had a nice game. Seven grabs, 59 yards, a pair of touchdowns in that one. Wilson is the final former Sooner who wore number four that we're showcasing here in the fourth month of the year. Hello again, everybody. Once again, I am Lee Benson. And again, this is West of Everest. Grant will join me in a moment to preview the NFL draft. Listen, we've got a lot of Bayfield talk today. Tons of Baker Mayfield. Grant, I'm sure we'll have some thoughts on my opening take. Plus, we'll discuss where we think Mayfield will be drafted and whether or not that's a good or a bad fit for Baker Mayfield. Also, we'll uh, try again with the hot take of the week. Last week, we ran out of time, so we had to cut that segment out. We will have time for today. I will guarantee that because it's part of our Baker Mayfield talk, so it fits right into the show. And we'll get to all of that in a moment. But first, here's your weekly reminder that we are on Facebook. If you're on Facebook as well, please locate the West of Everest podcast page and give us a like, maybe even a rating as well. We'd really appreciate it. Also, you may have uh, seen the opening take live. We do that every uh, Tuesday evening when Grant or I records the opening take. So that gives us a little bit of a gives you a little bit of a behind the scene look. 
if you ever have any comments, questions on uh, the opening take during those live hits, just go ahead and, and leave them there, and we will respond uh, the best we can. Uh, also, a big thank you to all of you who have taken a few minutes to write a review on iTunes. They've all been incredibly positive. Uh, if you're listening to the show on iTunes, of course, feel free to give us a rating or a review. Just last week, one listener wrote a review saying that West of Everest is hands down their favorite podcast, which that is awesome. Grant and I are pumped that you all like the show so much. We can't thank you enough for listening. Uh, also, as you all know, you can email us at West of Everest. Uh, I'll say the email address. It's West of Everest at gmail.com. Again, West of Everest at gmail.com. And finally, we are on Twitter as well. Grant and I, I am at Lee Benson News 9. Grant at Grant Benson 25. All right, I've talked enough. Time to bring in Grant. Uh, first off, Grant, a, a couple things. One, anything that you'd like to say uh, about our, our iTunes reviews? Because that's pretty cool that somebody thinks that this is their favorite podcast. And also, any thoughts on my opening take? Well, I'll get to that in a second. I, I, I have one question before I get into that. What, why why'd you have to go with the Orange Bowl? I mean, was it a, is it a, or like, you know, that, that version of the Orange Bowl, was it just kind of like a, like a maniacal joke on your part or was it? It was, here's the reason why I went back in Travis Wilson's log his game logs. He didn't really have any like game changing big time touchdowns that I saw. And so I, so then what I defaulted to was he had a really good game in the, in the Orange Bowl, even though Oklahoma as a team didn't. So it was more like, you know what? Even though the team played like garbage, Travis Wilson played pretty well in that game. So I was like, you know what? Hats off to you for having a nice game, despite it being an awful game all the way around. So that was my thought process behind the Travis Wilson Orange Bowl touchdown. Well, our listeners can never accuse us of not being creative, with, I suppose, with kind of our opening sound bites. I'm sure none of them ever expected to, I mean, really ever hear anything from that game, much less us talk about it. But you think or, you think people just turned it off? Think people stopped listening to the podcast? Was that a horrible decision on my part? No, no, not at all. I think it's an interesting. It's I don't know. <laughs> that was a hey. I, I remember. I, I remember that opening drive. I don't remember a lot from that game afterwards. But man, I, we were sure pumped on that opening drive. That's all I remember. And also, yeah, that was the best part of the game. So at least I didn't put in like a, a Reggie Bush or a Lindale White touchdown or something. That would have been just cruel. That would have been cruel. But anyway, backing up to what you asked, of course, very appreciative of all our reviews. Uh, once again, if you guys can, you know, if you're listening on iTunes, please leave a, a five-star review for us. We, we really do appreciate it. Um, if I, I can't believe we're somebody's favorite podcast. That's awesome. Um, so we, we, we do put a lot of work into this show, and it's, it's much appreciated. Um, back to your opening take, Lee. I'm, you know, I, I, I see where you're coming from on here, and, you know, I, I, don't, like, I don't love that stuff either. Um, I made the executive decision not to watch the the behind the Baker thing because I, I I wasn't a huge fan of it when it was first announced. To be honest with you, because I kind of I I had the idea that it would probably be something very similar to this. It would be very uh very ball washy, if you will. Um, you know, I I I'm sure this entire thing is just is probably his publicist or something most likely creating it. Um, you say it doesn't do him any favors. I I you know. I guess I'll have to take your word for it, but I think generally kind of when it all comes down to it at the end, you know, when the, when the ball is snapped on the field, I don't really think the behind Baker Facebook video series is going to be of much consequence. That's my take on it. And let me clarify when I say it doesn't do him any favors. What I mean by that, and I probably should have been more clear in the take, 
it doesn't do him any favors when it comes to convincing NFL people that he's uh, going to be a, somebody that that they want to roll the dice on at, at a really high uh, part of the draft, put it that way. If I was a let's, let's be honest, I mean, all these NFL executives are old guys, like old people. Like if I'm some old guy watching, I'm thinking, gosh, this I mean, this this kid is, is really interested in all of this stuff aside from football. Granted, there's some football in it. Shows him working out, and it looks like he's working hard and great, and I'm sure he is. Uh, just the stuff about him trying to you know, get signed by Nike, and I, to me, I just I don't care. I don't care about that, but apparently it means a lot to, to younger. I mean, obviously it means a lot to him. He's going to make a lot of money from Nike, and great. That's awesome. That'd be awesome to be a Nike person. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's just It just kind of comes off as um, non-football related, which, again, is not going to do him any favors as far as in the eyes of people that make a lot of big decisions, in my opinion. So let's continue discussing Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Why not? And before we go over where we think he will be drafted on Thursday, I think we should provide our final NFL draft assessment of Baker Mayfield. So, for example, all of the draft gurus out there that everyone knows, they have write-ups and they have takes and they have thoughts on all the prospects or a lot of the big-time prospects. One of my favorite NFL guys out there is Greg Cosell. You probably heard Greg Cosell on Colin Cowherd's show and maybe other places as well. He's a big-time X's and O's guy, which we love here on West of Everest. He's got a write-up of Baker Mayfield out right now, and some of his thoughts on Mayfield are puzzling to me. For example, Cosell writes that Mayfield sometimes does not know where to go with the ball when faced with the blitz. And also, Cosell writes that Mayfield consistently looked to be a one-read thrower and stayed on his primary target too long. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, we've said pretty much the opposite about Baker Mayfield. Number one, when facing pressure, Pro Football Focus graded Mayfield as the best quarterback in the nation for the past three seasons. So it's surprising to read that Cosell didn't think Mayfield was, uh, didn't think that he uh, knew where to deliver the ball against the blitz and was shaky against the blitz at times. And two, you've heard Grant say that he thinks Mayfield's ability to look off defensive backs and go through his progressions is probably better right now than a decent amount of NFL quarterbacks currently. And I I tend to agree with that. So before we get to our assessments of Baker Mayfield, Grant, I'll, I'll lead with you. What are your takeaways from Cosell's breakdown? Yeah, Lee, we, we, uh, we briefly mentioned it before we started recording, but I the thing that, that stood out to me while reading it is it's, it seemed overly negative to me. Um, and, and I'm not, which kind of took me by surprise. And, and you can go on Greg Cosell's. I'm sure you can find it online. You can, it, it's on, it's on his Twitter page if you want to find it. Um, he's also complimentary in, in it as well. I, I do kind of want to touch on some of the points that you made. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up that pro football focus thing because the, uh, the, the criticism of him not always knowing where to go with the blitz kind of struck me as odd um, because that does fly in the face of, of numbers and, and honestly just the, the way I've seen him play over the, you know, over the last three years. So at least, I, I think pro football focus, not only was he like the best quarterback in the nation for the last three seasons against the blitz, but his quarterback rating against the blitz was better than everyone else's in a clean pocket. Yeah. If I'm, it, it was so, you know, I at least at least for this last year, I'm not sure about 2016 and 2015, but yeah, at least for this last year, that was the case. And so there, I mean, there there's some there's kind of some nitpicks on on Greg Cosell's scouting report that I 
that to some extent I agree with. You know, he he said he does sometimes have a, a propensity to stare down targets, and and why? Why I think that kind of ended up in, in the weakness uh, category for Mayfield. I, I just I I've seen him do that, but I I don't. It's it's rare. He doesn't do it often. So for instance, that was that was a problem back in the Iowa State game. Their only regular season loss. I thought in that game he was very unwilling to check down, and he 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 stayed on his primary receiver going deep far too long in that game. If you go back and watch, you can tell it's a pretty big problem. That's that's a problem on the very last play of the game. He's got a guy wide open underneath that would have been a first down. So uh, he, he certainly, sometimes he certainly looks for the big play too much, and 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 he doesn't he doesn't know when to uh, when to kill the play sometimes. And you know, I, I think that's actually been a, a a fair criticism of Baker Mayfield throughout his entire career. I thought it got better in 2017, um, but over the course of you know 15 and 16, you certainly saw a propensity for him not to let the play die, which at times can can lead to bad turnovers, can lead to injuries, and and um, uh, significant circumstances, so so that I I, I slightly agreed with. Um, other things too, he he said his footwork is inconsistent uh, against pressure in the pocket, and I, I agree with that. It is he he does get a little happy feet sometimes, um, and I think that goes into part of his game too. He he is so good kind of on the fly. Um, he he's very good outside of the pocket, um, and, and I think just kind of his happy feet in the pocket is probably just an extension of that. What I kind of have after reading Cosell's write up. But the main question I had was, well, Pro Football Focus is telling us that Baker Mayfield might be the best college quarterback ever against the Blitz. Uh, I, I would want to ask Greg Cosell if um, I, I would just assume that quarterback struggling against pressure is most likely a problem for every single college quarterback. And uh, and, and that's a, that's another thing. I'm that's slightly to play off that. I read. He's done Josh Rosen and also Josh Allen. And from what I remember on both of those guys, stares down receivers and locks on was not really a, a part of their of their breakdowns. He has not done Sam Darnold yet. But my my thing, biggest thing is kind of what you're saying is is you're gonna why wasn't it a part of those breakdowns? Because I guarantee you, especially Josh Allen, who barely competes completes many passes, there's no way he's not locking on to guys and being a one read player. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of a lot of plays, even in the NFL, there's there's one read things where you read the defense and you think, okay, this is going to be here. I'm going there. So it's not like every single play you're going to go back and you're going to go through every single pro- uh, progression and that's what's going to happen. No. Uh, Baker Mayfield, of course, he's going to lock on sometimes, but then he'll go through his progressions. And you can't convince me that a guy like Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Mason Rudolph are are more skilled than Mayfield at that particular uh, particular part of their game. Because uh, that, so that's kind of like why maybe that's why it's kind of maybe a, a partly of a nitpick a nitpick by Cosell when he points it out with Mayfield. Uh, well, so. I, I do want to bring this up real quick, and, and this this uh, this honestly might just be a. There could be lots of factors in this. It just so reading Baker's scouting report, it it, it did seem like that it was more thorough because I, I I did read Josh Allen's scouting report, and and when you read uh, Josh Allen's scouting report, it seems more complimentary than than Baker's does until you get to the conclusion on Josh Josh Allen where he says, yeah, the guy just doesn't ha- doesn't show consistent enough you know, execution to really be successful at this level. Um, so it, it really could just be like a writing style uh, issue, something like that. But I, I don't know. I, I've Cosell has gone on 
Howard's show and has said that he is he's pretty high on Mayfield. Yeah. So um, that, I, that's true. It, it might honestly just be a nitpicky thing. He, Mayfield just might be the guy that he has scouted the most. Um, maybe he's just a little more nitpicky there because yeah, go, go read Josh Allen's and he he sounds pretty complimentary when. Uh, when he's writing up Josh Allen until he gets to the very end when he says, yeah, there's just there's not enough consistent success here um, to make him any more than a project. So I, I did I did want to throw that out there. But yes, hey, I, I really like Greg Cosell. I, I have, um, you know, I'll, I'll take his word for a lot of things because, you know, he's an expert on it. But but there are some things I have quibbles with. There, there's some things that I that I think are not as that that don't pop up as much as as Cosell's scouting report would have would lead you to believe. I think that's a fair way to to end it. And yeah, I agree. I like Cosell a lot too. He's my favorite X's and O's, breaking down plays kind of person that I've seen in the last few years. And uh, he always comes on Colin Cowherd's show during the NFL season. He has his his one big play where he breaks it down. And a lot of the times it's really fun to watch and break it down. Sometimes it's it's like, wow, that's really good. Other times I'm, I'm kind of like, that's not that in depth. And so maybe that's just my ignorance of football, or maybe I'm learning more about football than I thought I was. Anyways, let's Lee, get on I, to. I, 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 sorry. sorry, I did want to bring just while we're on the uh, while we're on the Go topic of, of of other you know scouting reports. I, I was curious, and just because I, I went back and I wanted to look at uh, the scouting report for for Peyton Manning coming out of Tennessee. I was just I was really curious because I know oh, okay. if, if 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 you remember. Um, you know, the, there was a big debate that year between him and Ryan Leaf, um, and kind of everyone who, who who has followed football the last couple decades know how the, knows how that turned out. Um, so I I wanted to read just this write up of, of Peyton Manning coming out of Tennessee. This this appeared in in Sports Illustrated. And so this is a scouting report from Sports Illustrated. It's about a paragraph long. So here it is. So it says Manning is probably the most prepared quarterback to enter the NFL draft in several years. He's had a storybook college career and has been in a top-level program with excellent coaching, and he has maturity and great intangibles to go along with his natural skills. He should be able to pick up the mental aspects of the game early on in the NFL level and should play very quickly. So obviously, that's, I mean, that's all correct, and it continues to be correct here. We get to the point where things get kind of funny, actually. So here we go. He has great overall field vision, he is a fierce competitor, and all of his mechanics are very solid. So here's where it gets kind of kind of interesting and and i start to see actually some uh some comparisons with baker mayfield scouting reports and i'm not comparing him to peyton manning as a player at all they're different players but just proving a point here here we go he has good arm strength but not necessarily a gun that you might expect from a quarterback at the top of the draft anyone who ever watched peyton manning knows that he had an absolute rocket for an arm um he has and here's where it gets funny he has adequate mobility and good overall AA. Anyone who's ever watched Peyton Manning knows that he was maybe one of the least mobile quarterbacks who has ever played the position. And then it says at the end, it says, although he is not a scrambler by nature. nature. I don't know what AA means in this instance. Leo, do you have any idea? Um, Athletic ability, this, maybe? Read the sentence again. Yeah, that could be it. Re, what's he, the sentence? He has adequate mobility and good overall AA. Yeah, I bet that's a good guess. That's probably what it is. Mm-hmm. So here we go. And this is this is the part that I really, really like. And this is the part. Um, it, it's going to echo some so one of the things that you've heard about Baker Mayfield from some NFL scouts. So he has done an excellent job of getting the most out of his abilities, 
but he is not quite as natural a player as Ryan Leaf. One question that some NFL scouts have is the question, will he get any better? Do you remember that wow. question about Baker Mayfield about a month ago when we were yeah. talking about it, Lee? Was it, um, do you remember the player? Was it, uh, I think it was, was it Brady Quinn? It was Brady Quinn who said that. And, uh, I, and, I've, and I've heard other people uh, echo that as well. And I, I think it's funny because, you know, Peyton Manning, of course, went on to, to pretty much redefine the quarterback position in the NFL. Um, he, he reinvented it in, in a lot of ways. Uh, he certainly got better. So I, I always thought that that was kind of funny. And then, you know, there's other blurbs in here, too. So it says, uh, in Manning's case, he may be a solid and productive NFL quarterback, but he may not have Hall of Fame type skills, uh, which is funny to, you know, saying that maybe though he's maybe the most skilled passer ever. Um, and he's, he has probably been the most scouted player in the draft in recent years, much like Baker Mayfield this year. Um, and because that, and, and because of that NFL teams tend to look too much at potential flaws instead of accepting him for what he is a great college quarterback that is on his way to an outstanding NFL career. Hmm. And so I thought, obviously it doesn't mirror Baker Mayfield perfectly, but I think it's, it's, it's fun to go back especially with the quarterbacks who have had um, incredible success in the NFL just to read their scouting reports and just to see that, you know, coming out of college, people actually were nitpicking Peyton Manning. They, you know, uh, other examples, you know, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't the number one pick overall, you know, 10 teams passed on him, Aaron Rodgers, you know, all those things. So, um, yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. NFL scouts know exactly what they're talking about all the way up to the point where they don't know what they're talking about. And that is my point. (laughs) Nice job. Good research there. I like that. That was good. So let's get on to our assessments of Baker Mayfield. I mean, we've watched Baker Mayfield play a lot. You've watched Baker Mayfield play more than I have. I, I, uh, I didn't see much of the 2015 season. I saw a decent amount. I saw about 75% of the 2016 season, maybe 80%. And I saw, obviously, 110% of the last year, the, his Heisman year. So uh, I'll give my thoughts first, and then you will provide your thoughts. We're going to do it kind of the way Cosell did it. We're going to give out strengths, weaknesses, and then his transition. I'll start. So beginning with strengths. So for me, Baker Mayfield's strengths, one, elite accuracy. That kind of goes without saying. He completes 70% of his passes in college, and I know it's a stat, but you can just watch him too. He puts the ball exactly where he needs to go for the most part all the time. More strengths, he has more than capable arm strength. Now, he's, he doesn't have a Josh Allen and, and even Josh Rosen. I think Josh Rosen's got a better arm than Baker Mayfield, but it's more than capable. He's got a strong arm. You saw him. Uh, I know the, the big play that everyone likes to bring up from last year is when he was rolling out to his left against Texas and threw 62 yards in the air to Jeff Bidette for a touchdown. Just imagine with his feet set, you know, Baker, he can probably put it up in the air 65 to 70 yards if he had to. Mayfield's mobile, but he's not reliant on his legs. And so what I mean by that is that obviously Baker Mayfield can, can move around in the pocket. He can, he can run a little bit, but he's not going to first think to run the ball whenever things get murky in the pocket. He's trying to move around to try to make a throw somewhere. So that's a, that's a strength. Also, he can play within structure. One of the things that I remember Greg Cosell saying a month or two ago when first talking about Baker Mayfield on Colin Cowherd's show was that, he was surprised by how many of the big plays Mayfield had with, at Oklahoma within structure of the play. They weren't just run, like rolling around, running around, and throwing it up to uh, 
to a you know Marquise Brown or something like that. Cosell was surprised by how many big plays Mayfield made within structure of the play. So Mayfield can play within structure, but also keep plays alive when things start to break down, as we saw. Also, this day and age in the NFL, it's this is important. One of his strengths, he's comfortable with RPOs, with run pass options. He's certainly able to do that as well as play uh, a more basic type of offense. Also, his teammates want to play with him, and they want to go to war with him. Baker Mayfield's a definite leader, and I think he actually helps not just on the offensive side of the football, but also on the defensive side of the ball. The defensive players really want to win for him as well and play well. And my final strength for Baker Mayfield is that he has learned throughout college, for the most part, from an elite offensive coaching mind in Lincoln Riley, which I would hope that Lincoln Riley has given him a lot of tips and tricks and has taught him certain parts of offense that other quarterbacks would not be privy to that did not have have as good of offensive coaches. And so I like to think that just being around Lincoln Riley for all that time is a strength just mentally for Baker Mayfield that he maybe has learned some things that other players would not have learned. Uh, before I get to my weaknesses, how about this? Uh, and I'm just doing this on the fly. Do you want to do your strengths as well, so we can kind of mirror our strengths? I mean, I'm sure some of yeah. your strengths are going to be same as mine. Yeah, I was but, just about uh, to. I was just about to try to cut you off to to do that. And I just instead of instead of uh, I'll just maybe add to what you said because I thought you did a pretty good job there. And I I want to I want to go back to the the extreme accuracy one more time. Um, I, because I I did want to bring up a a play. Um, that I want everyone to go back and watch, and it was from, and, and everyone's going to recognize it as soon as they see it. But it was from the Sugar Bowl uh, at the end of the 2016 season, and and this was. Oh, I think I know what play we're talking. You're about to, yeah, about to say, and, but go on. And so, and so, this was the moment that I realized that Baker Mayfield could be a, a first round NFL quarterback. Um, and this was in the second quarter. It was. I'm sorry. There's there's a highlight video I, um, on YouTube that you'll be able to find it. Um, pretty easily on. Uh, it's it's in the second quarter. It's a fourth down play. They're at about the forty yard line. Uh, Auburn's forty yard line. Uh, Mayfield is is pressured by blitzers up the middle that flush him outside of the pocket. Um, and on the run with on on the run with with two guys or how many guys chasing him, he throws the ball um, off balance about twenty about twenty five to thirty yards in the air to D.D. Westbrook, who had just run a deep corner route, and he he just drops he just drops it into the bucket in between two uh, defensive backs. Right, it was a perfect throw right into the arms of D.D. Westbrook. It is the it is one of the best throws I have ever seen at the college level, and it's a throw that he almost uh, it's a throw that he almost uh, he he replicated it almost in Columbus about six months later against Ohio State. Uh, that Michael Jones throw, if you recall, um, absolutely insane throw. If if you wanna if you wanna see the type of accuracy we're talking about with Baker Mayfield, watch that. His accuracy on the run is is second to nobody. I I don't know if I've ever seen anyone at the college level more accurate than Baker Mayfield when he is outside of the pocket and running. He he has an uncanny ability to put the ball exactly where it needs to be. Um, as far as as far as how how successful he'll be with that in the NFL, uh, we'll see. It's going to be a lot harder to get outside against those defensive ends in the NFL, but we'll see. Um, other things I want to bring up, Lee. I, I think um, I, the more I the more I watch Baker Mayfield, the, the more that I think his arm strength is not just above average. I think his arm strength is good to very good. Um, I, I just I don't think he's going to have. Um, any trouble whatsoever making the throws necessary at the NFL level. 
Um, and just to add one more thing, I, I don't I don't know if there's any there's certainly no one in this draft. And as I've alluded to many, many times, I'm not sure there's there's more than 15 quarterbacks in the NFL right now who understand looking off uh, safety help in the middle with your eyes better than Maker Mayfield. There's no one in this draft class who does it better. There's I don't think half the NFL quarterbacks in the NFL right now do it better than Baker Mayfield. And I think that that's one of the big reasons why I think he's, I mean, he's, he's almost day one ready to play in the NFL as a rookie. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that part because I left that out. So I was, I overlooked that and you nailed it because that's, that's true. And, and, and we were just talking a, a moment ago about how Cosell didn't quite see it that way sometimes. So I'm glad you brought that up. All right. Weaknesses. So I'll, I'll go first with my – or actually, do you want to go first with, with your weaknesses? So I'll give you the first crack, and so you're not just um, – I, I guess I'm not uh, saying all the things first, and then you're yeah. basically like, oh, yeah, okay. So you go first, and then I'll kind of add on to what you have. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, – so I'm I, I'm kind of starting to come around on the criticism of him in the pocket, especially as it, as it relates to a transition to the NFL. Um, and, and I do think maybe his happy feet in the pocket could be an issue. Why I don't think it's maybe as big of an issue as a lot of people are bringing it up to be is because I've already seen him improve on it a lot in three years at OU. Um, so let's just let's, let's just go through his his career real quick. And in 2015, the, the first year they went to the playoffs with him, um, if you recall that season a lot, he he made a lot of. Uh, he made a lot of plays on the fly that season. You know, it, it was a young offensive line. The, the pass protection wasn't great. And, and he really was doing a lot of it kind of outside of the structure of the play. There was a lot of the times where the offensive line was breaking down and he did need to make plays outside of the pocket. And I think at times in 2016, especially at the beginning of the season, that really hurt him, especially against the more disciplined defenses that they played. Uh, Houston and Ohio State, right at the beginning, the only two teams they lost to. Um, they were more disciplined, more athletic up front, and they, he didn't really get away with with kind of that hero ball stuff. Um, from what I've seen, he, he, especially off of this last season in 2017, he knows that. And I think he worked very hard to improve it. Um, this past season, I thought he took more sacks um, this year at, that were more kind of give up plays than he would have in, in the past. Um, a lot of the sacks he took this year, I thought was was because he didn't get rid of the ball and, and, and maybe because he, he didn't want to force anything and, and, and maybe try to play hero ball. So so I, I do think he, he is going to need to get used uh, to to NFL pass rushes. He needs to get better at stepping up into the pocket. I, I don't think the happy feet um, is necessarily going to translate very well to the NFL. Um, other than that, yeah, you know, he, he does tend to um, mechanically, he, he does, he, he's not perfect mechanically all the time. I, Cosell did bring up one that I agree with. And his weakness is that sometimes when he's outside of the pocket and he's got people bearing down on him, uh, bearing down on him, he does have a tendency sometimes to drift and throw off his back foot. Uh, that can definitely be an issue in the NFL, especially uh, because defensive backs or defenders in general are going to close on balls quicker. Um, you know, other than that, Lee, what do you have to add to it, Lee? I'm, I'm just those are I, good. I, yeah, I, you know, and I, I know he has more. I'm just, I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with sure. things in my head. Yeah. Sure. So uh, I, I know this is talked about all the time but i do think it's a weakness height i know he's uh even though he's used to being six foot five eights uh and i don't think it's that big of a deal really i don't think it's that big of a deal at all i do think it would and to be fair i mean we've said it before if he was six three six four he'd be the number one no doubt quarterback in this draft so by nfl standards height technically is a weakness secondly uh, this is I was having a tough time writing this out. Uh, basically, the second half of the Rose Bowl. 
uh, watching him play that half of football, to me it showed an inability to adjust to man pressure defense because Georgia did the same thing all second half. And it didn't seem like he was able to adjust to it. And I don't know how much of that was him, how much of that was Lincoln Riley at halftime or not even halftime, but just throughout the game and, and going over things. So to me, that showed that he was still very young, still has a lot to learn, and he wasn't able to diagnose the problem himself and figure it out until they started going hurry up again on that one drive where they were able to score a touchdown in the fourth quarter and they, and they started getting Georgia a little more uncomfortable. So just the inability there to, to see what Georgia was doing even after a couple of bad drives where they had failure, Oklahoma's offense still did not figure it out quickly enough in that game, whereas if they figured it out earlier in the third quarter, maybe they would have been able to go on longer drives and score and, and, and stop that Georgia comeback. So that was, to me, that was just an experience. And granted, he was an experienced college quarterback, but ultimately as a quarterback, he's very inexperienced. He's 21, 22 years old, and he's got a lot more to learn. So... That was alarming to me, especially if if you're an NFL scout guy and you only watch the Rose Bowl about Baker Mayfield, you certainly would have a lot of things to talk about him in the second half. And then the last weakness I have is that he's never had to really deal with failure at a high level. Ever since he's been at Oklahoma, for the most part, he's had a lot of success. So he's never really had to deal with uh, a multiple game losing streak grant yeah i know he lost uh, ohio state and houston back to back in 2016 and they rattled off all those wins and and so really there was some failure there and he handled it very well and oklahoma played great football the rest of the season especially him and the offense but uh he's never had a you know back-to-back -back really bad games where he just doesn't see it and doesn't play well he's never had a three-game losing streak four-game losing streak so He's never had to deal with that. And so I, I think that's something where he'll have to learn because, uh, you know, you see in sports, these talented elite players have always been just the best until they get to the professional level. There's always going to be players just as good or, or maybe just slightly not as good, and, and they're going to have struggles. So the fact that he's never really had to deal with big-time failure at a high level, I think, is a weakness of Baker Mayfield. So that's all I have for weaknesses there. And, yeah, and, uh, and I'll I'm, go ahead. I'm, I'll, I'll bring it up one more time, and I we haven't uh, some we haven't touched on since the fall at least, and I'll bring it up again. And it's uh, antics, hothead antics. I, I think it, that he still showed uh, a propensity to sometimes in 2017, and I think um, th that ain't gonna fly in the NFL. So um, yeah, I, I, I hope he's I hope he got that all out of his system. Is all I have to say. And finally, just transition. And Cosell used this part to kind of talk about how he thinks he'll move on to the NFL, how, how he fits in. And so that's kind of how, how we'll do it. So I, I kind of wrote something out here. So I, for me, I say transitioning for Baker Mayfield, he should, he should start right away in the NFL. But like most quarterbacks, his fit will have to be perfect in order to get the most out of him. He's obviously still young, and this kind of goes with what I just said a moment ago. Therefore, he doesn't have all the experience and knowledge of the QB position yet, even though he probably thinks that he knows a heck of a lot about it, which he does, but there's still a lot more to learn. Going to a team with a, a hacky offensive coordinator, for lack of a better term, an old school guy, something like that will, will stunt his growth because he needs to be on a team with a coach or coaches who are from kind of the new age as opposed to the old guard, like, for example, like a Jeff Fisher who's out of the league, thank God, and for, or like a John Fox who I guess is out of the league as well, some old school guys, or, or even even like a new, school, like a new head coach 
and a guy like Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer's been around forever. Yes, the Vikings offense was good last year in Minnesota, but not many new ideas for a guy like Pat Shermer. So even something like that, I'm not sure if that'd be the best kind of fit for Baker Mayfield. So uh, transition-wise, fit is the main thing. He needs to go to a guy or to a team or to a coach that that can have a good relationship with him, explain the position to him, explain the NFL offense, and can help his growth as a quarterback. What, what would your transition be? Well, so I, I just go back to Coach Selsing again, and he makes he makes this an emphasis numerous times, and I think it's it's pretty clear his biggest takeaway from Mayfield, and maybe his biggest positive, um, and maybe this is this is you know, you know a way to check the box and say you know maybe this is the thing staring us in the face saying you know his transition to the NFL is going to be really good, and that's um, that's that a vast majority of of Mayfield's big plays in college and Cosell does that as 15 plus yard plays he says a vast majority of them came within the structure of the play and that's a big deal in the NFL um, because a vast majority of big plays usually are going to come from structure Um, so I I can tell that that's a part of Mayfield's game that that Cosell really likes and thinks is very very uh, is something that can transition to the NFL Um, he he understands um, where to go with uh, where to go with the ball in an offense and and as as offenses get more complicated, especially in NFL, I, I think that's going to be just very important, especially the rhythm that he shows with, with these big plays as well. It's 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 the rhythm and his understanding of 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 the offense that is given to him, which I think is it, are, are are the two things um, that really stand out to me. It's the his 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 ability to understand a game plan and execute that game plan. It, it seems to be unmatched in in this quarterback class. Those are our strengths, weaknesses, and our thoughts on Baker Mayfield as an NFL quarterback. If you're listening to this and you think, hey, you guys forgot something, you're wrong about something, hey, shoot us an email, westofeverest at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook. Let us know what your thoughts are on Baker Mayfield. Maybe we left something out. Maybe we're wrong about something. Let us know. Let's talk about the other top quarterbacks in the draft. This is a quarterback-heavy show, and we'll go rapid fire somewhat through the other top, I believe it's five other quarterbacks kind of being discussed at the top of this draft or, or who are the who are the top quarterbacks and trying to think of a way to do this to where we could give our thoughts relatively quick I decided to go with just a simple like him don't like him or unclear so either you like the guy you don't like the guy or maybe you need more information on him and I think we're going to begin with the probable top pick in the draft which I know recently it's oh Josh Allen's going to go to to Cleveland I still think the probable topic is going to be Sam Darnold. So we're going to go with Sam Darnold first. Uh, Grant, do you want to start? Do you want to go with uh, like him, don't like him, or unclear on Sam Darnold? Yeah, I like him. I like Sam Darnold. And I, I, I think I've, I've, I've been on record as saying I think Sam Darnold has pretty good bust potential. And I, I actually, I mean, I think that for, for a lot of the quarterbacks in this draft, actually. Um, but, it, but, I mean, relatively speaking to the other, if we're comparing him to the other four quarterbacks, uh, I, I like him the most out of those other four. Um, and I, I feel like I may have unfairly just kind of, you know, dragged on Sam Darnold. I like Sam Darnold. I think he's, he's fun to watch. He, he's a good football player. I think he's, I think, man, he's going to turn the ball over a ton in the NFL um, when he first starts. But his, his arm talent, I, I think, is undeniable. His athleticism is undeniable. Um, man, he's, but I turnovers is going to be big for him. He's, he, he seems, to me, he seems like a guy who might, 
who, who might you know get himself out of the league with the amount of times he's going to turn it over. It's going to be a ton. He he might if if, if he if he starts his rookie season, he might throw thirty picks, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> I think you're overstating that. I mean, turnovers are the big hit on him. I don't know if it's as bad as you're making it out to be. I mean, I mean, turned it over thirty-seven times in twenty-six college games. So that's combined, obviously combined interceptions and fumbles. Then did he yeah. fumble a lot? I never. I, the thing was a fumble. I didn't know he fumbled that much. Okay, um, yeah, that's that's a lot uh, for me. Darnold, uh, like as well. I think he's got all the tools. No shock there, but and I've said this before. I just don't think he's ready yet to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. He's still raw. Because he doesn't have as much experience as somebody like Baker Mayfield, who started all those years at Oklahoma. Uh, also, and I know you don't agree with me on this, I don't think his arm is as good as a lot of people say it is. I, I don't. Th- it's it's a good arm, but I think he's. I I, I think Baker Mayfield either is right up there with, with Sam Darnold or slightly above Sam Darnold arm strength wise, uh, and and for as big as. It, it, as big as Darnold is, bigger than Mayfield, Darnold should have more of a hose. And Greg Cosell pointed this out, and we mentioned him a lot uh, months ago when he was talking about Darnold. He thinks Darnold's lack of arm strength sometimes beca- is because of his mechanics and his footwork. So Darnold actually has a bigger arm, but sometimes uh, it's his own fault because he maybe he's off his back foot or his mechanics aren't that great, so it, it doesn't come out as strong as it could have. So, so maybe... The knock should be not his arm isn't as good. It's just he he's not getting as much out of his arm as he could, uh, based on what uh, Greg Cosell said. Uh, and and obviously Baker Mayfield's a lot more of an accurate passer uh, than Sam Darnold. But after Baker Mayfield, I think Sam Darnold's the best guy in this group, just long term wise. I agree. So so yeah. So I I so I do like Sam Darnold. So next on the list, and I'll go first, is Josh Rosen. And for me, Josh Rosen also like, and I've always liked Josh Rosen. And he just looks like a. And the big thing now is he's the most polished quarterback. And again, to name drop Greg Cosell, I believe Cosell said that Rosen is the most polished NFL pro style type quarterback in this draft. Which technically, yeah, he is. He just looks like a guy that's a quarterback in the NFL. The ball comes out of his hand beautifully. Although I will say, his completion percentage not great for his career. 60.9%. And I was shocked when I saw that. I, I thought he was, you know, more like a 64, 65% guy, kind of like where Sam Darnold is for his career. Not great. And uh, I don't think UCLA's offense did him any favors. It was more of like, you know, pro style type where he was under center a lot. But really, it was, I, I don't think he did a, it wasn't very creative. So I think if he was in a better system, he probably would have put up a little better numbers. Uh, certainly, if he was. You'd say, I mean, anybody that's in Lincoln Riley system would put up better numbers, you'd think. Uh, but uh, all around, he's got all the tools to be a good quarterback in the NFL. Um, he's after Darnold. I think, uh, I, I think Darnold, I think Rose, and I think Mayfield, I think these guys are, they all have the, possib- the capabilities of being pretty good, like pretty good NFL quarterbacks. I mean, this is a really strong draft class. So for you, Josh Rosen, like, don't like, or unclear? I'm unclear on Josh Rosen, Lee, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So I, the whole... Um, I, I I don't necessarily know if his criticisms, and I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna talk about his critic his kind of off field criticisms. I'm not sure if those are totally out of bounds. I, I think a lot of people have been have been kind of poo poo in that, saying like, "Oh come on, you're gonna." And I'm not I'm not digging on him for you know like his his interest in politics and whatnot and all that stuff. I'm more I'm more worried about whether or not he he loves football. 
because I, I I certainly don't uh, I don't question that with someone like Baker Mayfield, but I do with with someone like Josh Rosen. So I just and and I, I feel like you really gotta love the game to be successful in the NFL, because above because above all else to be great takes a lot of it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of uh, a lot of time and effort and work when people aren't watching and and in order to do that you really got to love the game and I'm I'm questioning whether Josh Rosen loves the game I just and that's based off of interviews hearing him talk and whatnot and that and that's fine I think he's a really smart dude um and I think his his physical abilities I think are uh, he's I, I think he's good he's a good player uh, the other the other thing that I'm I'm slightly kind of iffy on about Rosen Lee is he was never an elite college player. And um, just just because you are an elite college player, it doesn't necessarily guarantee NFL success, but especially at the quarterback position, and I'm, I am just talking about the quarterback position here, but there really is, I, 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 there's really not much of a track record for success um, for NFL quarterbacks who were not elite college players. And, and so that's kind of where... Um, and so, so take that for what you will, and you can you can maybe you know gleam what I'm going to think about these other quarterback prospects based off of that. Um, but Josh Rosen just was never. What Josh Rosen was only just a good and sometimes very good college player. He was never on the same level as Baker Mayfield or going back Marcus uh, Mariota. Mariota, how do you say it, Lee? You Mariota. Get, Mariota. Yeah, you get. And it bothers me when people still yeah. mispronounce it. Uh, he he was no Marcus Mariota. He was no Jameis Winston. He was no Andrew Luck. Uh, he was no Dak Prescott. So, um, you know that that's the sort of thing that I look at. He he he's never had incredible success in college. Interesting. Good take. So, jo- uh, jo- almost called you Josh. So Grant needs more information on Josh Rosen. Next quarterback could be the number one pick, Josh Allen from Wyoming. I'll let you start with Allen Grant. Don't like him. In fact, I, he's he's bad. He's not a good player. Uh, based off of <laughs> based off of the the college film that I've seen, uh, he's unless there is unless there is a scout or a coach that can that can make him a good player. I mean, yeah, his his athleticism. I, he moves really well, and he's got a freaking cannon for an arm. He's he's bad. He's below average to bad at everything else. Um, he, he's got some of the worst college tape for a, for a quarterback prospect I've, I've really ever seen. Um, he, he's just, he's just not very good at, at the college level. I, I, I will grant him his rocket arm and his, and his mobility, everything else. I, I just don't really see it. He's, 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 he hasn't put anything on tape, um, to suggest that he is going to be a successful NFL quarterback. I, I think he is, it's, it's an absolute, um, it's it's an absolute farce that he's being considered as as a top pick in the draft. I don't like Allen at all either. The best thing I heard recently about Josh Allen, I was uh, I was listening to a fantasy football podcast, and they had a guy from Pro Football Focus on, and you may have listened to this podcast as well too. I think I told you about it, Grant. And this guy, I can't remember his name, but he laid out this thought on Josh Allen very very simply, and it made total sense to me. And I hadn't thought of it this way yet. Here's what it was. He said, aside from being able to throw the ball really, really hard and being tall, what else is there to like about Josh Allen? And that's basically how I feel. It's a good point because everything else, Grant, sure, he's mobile. Who cares? I mean, he he cannot complete passes consistently. And I don't think you can teach 
and gain accuracy, really, as you move on, especially when the competition gets more difficult like it will in the NFL. Either you have it or you don't, and Josh Allen just doesn't have it. And it's not like he was facing a ton of elite defenses playing at Wyoming. And, yeah, we get that he's still raw, kind of like Sam Darnold, where he doesn't have a whole lot of games and starts under his belt. But if my favorite team needed a quarterback right now, no way I'd want this team to take Josh Allen over Baker Mayfield, over Sam Darnold, or even over Josh Rosen, or over Lamar Jackson, to be honest with you. So Josh Allen, if he was available in the second round or something like that, by all means, take him and think, man, he's got tons of upside. But in the, at the, as the first pick or in the top five, absolutely not. No thank you. And you know what? I we've we've done this Josh Allen thing before, and we did it recently, and people just forget about it. But Josh Allen is basically is basically Christian Hackenberg, the guy who started four years at Penn State. They're they're very similar statistics wise and and uh, makeup wise. And Christian Hackenberg could not hack it in the NFL because he, ah. he because he he consistently could not complete forward passes. And Josh Allen had at, at a high level at the college level has never been able has never really played well consistently and that i mean that's that's a problem going into the highest professional league in in the, in the world for this sport in my opinion i agree next up is lamar jackson and i had this written down for me as a don't like but now i'm i'm sorry i'm being a little squishy i'm it's like a mixture between don't like and unclear and mainly the unclear is I'm curious to see where Lamar Jackson goes, which team he plays for. But the reason why I had it as don't like ultimately is because uh, look, here's here's my notes. I, he he certainly he, he could be a good player. I mean, he was a good player in college, of course. He won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, but to me, he's not worth the risk of a top ten pick. Uh, and again, just to, to be what to mirror kind of what I said a second ago, it, he'll need to be in the perfect spot to succeed because. To the same point as uh, Josh Allen, he's not a particularly accurate thrower of the football. Lamar Jackson throughout his career completed 57% of his passes. Josh Allen completed 56.2%. So they're pretty much right there career-wise. And what has Josh Allen been just killed over? Accuracy. People have, have critiqued Lamar Jackson for accuracy, but not at the same level as Josh Allen. And really, for career-wise, they're pretty similar as far as completing passes. So another more notes on, on Lamar. Unlike Mayfield, who is mobile mostly to try and find a way to throw, when I watch Lamar Jackson, I think he relies too much on his legs, very much like Johnny Manziel. So just look at his rushing numbers. They're insane. They're absolutely crazy. He had 232 rush attempts this past season. He had 260 attempts rushing the year he won the Heisman Trophy. Lamar Jackson averaged about 18 rush attempts per game the past two seasons. And I can't imagine a lot of those were designed running plays. So when you rely on your God-given talents like running and being really fast a lot as opposed to playing within structure, which has been a theme of this podcast, it seems like, and throwing the football, I think you have a difficult time succeeding in the NFL just historically because, look, think back to RG3. He ran a lot. He had injury problems. I know he had injury problems in college, and, and we haven't really seen Lamar Jackson with really any injury concerns, so maybe that's not fair because he's a taller guy, and, and he'll probably bulk up a little bit more. But he will get hit a lot running as much as he does like he did in college. And so that's that's a problem. And then, again, I the Wonderlick score of 13 is troubling because 
13 is is a, is a low number and for a quarterback you got to have pretty good intelligence because that position these days you got to be able to make a lot of quick decisions with a lot of information that you've gained throughout either the the play or throughout you know, game week or, or whatever like that and and the wonder look tests that it tests can you make quick decisions do you know how to how to make you know, answer questions and what was it, fifty questions and I think eight minutes or something like that or twelve minutes, and so the thirteen is is not great. And I know that Dan Marino and Donovan McNabb and and all those two of those players and there's others that scored in the teens as well and and they're good quarterbacks, but you can't convince me that the offensive schemes back then and even with McNabb and I know that he's more recent, but even with McNabb, they're not as advanced as they are now. If, if you want to succeed at a high level, I mean. I mean, there are still some offenses in, in the NFL that are very rudimentary and you don't need to know a whole lot. For example, the Bears last year. I'm a Bears fan. The Bears offense was a joke. I mean, you didn't have to be a genius to run the ball 45 times a game. And Mitchell Trubisky was babysitting last year for the Bears and he was not given a whole lot. So, I mean, a lot. if that's the offense, any you know anybody can run something like that. There wasn't a whole lot of thinking in that offense. So, at the high level, though, there's a lot more thinking, I think, and you got to be able to break things down. And then lastly, I know I'm kind of going long on Lamar Jackson. This is just watching the tape. I mean, the past two bowl games he played against SEC teams, he was really bad. He was really bad against Mississippi State this past year. He was really bad against LSU the year he won the Heisman. Uh, against good defenses, he just didn't play well at all. He looked his, his accuracy was bad. He threw picks, and he just looked uncomfortable. So, uh, again, I want to see where Lamar Jackson goes, but ultimately I, I would lean towards don't like him. What about you? Um, I add another, uh, I want to add another strength to Baker Mayfield, his processing speed. That was one that I, that I forgot. Um, his, he, he processes information very, very quickly. So I think that's another, but, uh, Lamar Jackson, Lee, I'm unclear on Lamar Jackson. Let me tell you why. Um, I, I actually, I, I grant you a lot of your, uh, a lot of your questions about Lamar Jackson. I have the same questions. The reason why I, um, am not in don't like him territory is because I think Lamar Jackson uh, straight up is one of the best athletes on planet Earth, um, and I, I think he's he, he's he he might he's he's going to step into the league and he's going to be the best athlete at that position day one in the entire league. Um, so and and I'm I'm curious is if there's a team that can uh, adapt and create an offense to suit his skill set. I don't think he's ever going to be an accurate passer. If you give him a big, a big uh, receiver target who can go up and get passes, that might be a big deal for him. But I, I think you may be able to do some really interesting things with Lamar Jackson, just because I don't know if we've ever seen someone uh, like him back there. I mean, he's it's it, the amount of athleticism oozing from his body is 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 slightly alarming, um, and and so that's why I just I. I especially in a league and especially with football where it, it really is kind of a lot of football really just is about your overwhelming athleticism. And there's just not a whole lot of guys who are more athletic than Lamar Jackson. And I'm, I'm curious to see how he's going to do, but I, I'm unclear. I, I think typically the, the general, the general traits that you would associate with, with a quarterback, um, a successful NFL quarterback, he doesn't necessarily have, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that he can't reinvent the position, uh, you know, in, in some way. Uh, he's he's clearly he clearly has some ability. He's an NFL player. I don't know if it's at quarterback, but his athletic ability absolutely screams NFL to me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm you're right. I mean, he's incredibly athletic, and 
he's a good he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I guess to put in context when we're going to these quarterbacks, these are all in comparison to one another. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson certainly could be a, a good quarterback in the NFL. There's there's no doubt about it. It's just up against these other players in this draft class. I like other guys more than Lamar Jackson. I mean, if if this draft class was different and it was Lamar Jackson and other players, you know, maybe he would be more like the, the best quarterback or the second best quarterback. I just don't. I think Mayfield's better. I think Darnold's better. I think Rosen's better. Uh, and that's it. I think I I think Jackson's next there. Uh, it's just I don't know if I'd want to risk you know a, a high top ten type pick on him to make to, to to roll the dice and think okay this guy's gonna be my franchise guy with this much capital expending for him. Uh, but yeah, I, that's why I was kind of like I'm I'm unclear partly because I kind of want to see where he goes and how he's utilized for sure. Last quarterback Mason Rudolph. Uh, not a whole lot of talk surrounding Mason Rudolph. I think at this point he's considered to be like a second round pick at this point. Uh, Grant, go. What's your thoughts on Rudolph? Like, don't like, or unclear? Don't like him. I, I think his. I, I think a lot of his success in college was was based off of uh, was based off of James Washington. To be honest with you, um, he's a guy. And Marcel Aitman and Marcel Aitman. And, and you know what? I'll, I'll yeah. give I'll, I'll give Mason Rudolph this. He he throws a nice deep ball. He throws an accurate deep ball. Um, other than that, Lee, in, in, in short and mid range, he's not he's not all that accurate. Um, he is a statue in the pocket. He's big, so you know I, I guess I'll I'll grant him the the NFL size. He's just not a very good athlete. Um, he and he he's also he, he seems like a one read guy. Seems like a guy who wasn't who wasn't asked honestly to do a whole lot in college from a from a mental standpoint. I just outside of his outside of how big he is, um, I, I I don't really know how he translates to the NFL. He doesn't have all that strong of an arm either. For me, Mason Rudolph don't like as well. Uh, it would be interesting to see him get a shot to play somewhere, maybe even start. But I think ultimately his arm strength is a problem. Uh, doesn't have a big arm at all, especially for somebody who's 6'4", 6'5". His arm is 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 not very strong. Uh, his deep balls tend. I think his his deep ball accuracy is overstated. I really do. I don't. I, I don't. He he throws some pretty balls, but I don't. I don't think he's like on the money all the time more than anybody else, really. Uh, it's just I think it's kind of an overstated thing. Uh, I, I will say I have seen video of Rudolph working the whiteboard with Steve Mariucci. The NFL Network did something, I think, a month or so ago, and it was impressive. He was good. He, he was able to do that really well. So maybe he is pretty good with the X's and O's. So he's a good film guy, good student of the game. But right now, uh, I'd say I don't like him. Not very high on Rudolph as a good NFL quarterback. So we agree on that. So moving on, now it's time for our new segment, the hot take of the week. We'll play a hot take that we found interesting, and we try to keep it OU football or college football or just football uh, re relevant to that. And with the draft coming up, we've this is a good week for it. So we found a Baker Mayfield soundbite. And this is going to be from the new ESPN show in the morning called Get Up with uh, Mike Greenberg. Uh, Michelle Beadle and Jalen Rose and there's a chance that none of you have seen this show it I honestly would not be watching this show unless I was trying to find hot takes but uh, that's because it's just none of those uh, personalities are really that interesting to me but on Tuesday's show when news came out that Baker Mayfield is being considered or is in the conversation for the number one pick in the draft by the Browns Adam Schefter reported that they all started talking about can or is Baker Mayfield deserving of the number one pick? And so you're going to hear from all three of them here, Mike Greenberg, Jalen Rose, and Michelle Beadle. 
And this is in uh, reaction. Is, uh, is Baker Mayfield, again, deserving of the number one pick in the draft? And here's what they had to say. If you're worthy of being the fourth pick in the draft, then you're worthy of being in the first pick in the draft. Okay, My sense no is idea. that there are people who like all of these different quarterbacks. Now, I don't, but I don't make my living making these decisions. I get to tell you what I think afterwards, and then I get the luxury of telling you how it worked out after it happens. So is Baker, if Baker Mayfield is worth going four, then he's worth going one. That's I can't what I really that, – that part makes sense, I think. It's, go ahead, because your face is everything. Baker Mayfield should not be the number one overall pick in this year's draft. And the Cleveland Browns I mean. can't be the team to mess this up <laughs> once again. They just did this with Johnny Manziel. We just did, did we this. Ju- we just saw this movie. Good okay? Lord, part two. And take it from somebody that's only seen 20 movies in his entire life. Okay? <laughs> Don't do this if you're the Cleveland Browns. They could. Here's what they could do. If they really want Mayfield, take Saquon Barkley number one. He's a sure thing. And then see, maybe Mayfield is still sitting there at number four. There's a real chance. They have one and four. The sleeper is Lamar Jackson. He is, but he's he's not going that high, most likely. The draft, that, that, can we do the draft today? Just can we just no, do it I'll, today? I'll, I'll, I'm going to convince you that this is the greatest Ooh, thing in the world. I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is going to be as good as Deshaun Watson. All I'm saying is we had these exact same conversations about that player last year, and he turned the NFL out before he got injured. Okay, Grant. So there is there is so many different ways to go from this week's hot take of the week. Um, first off, I want to point out that. Jalen Rose and Michelle Beadle are basically the kinds of people who I was describing in the opening take, those who clearly have not seen a whole lot of Baker Mayfield. Notice the Johnny Manziel comparison by Jalen Rose. Those two people are basically what I was saying. Very surface-level knowledge of Baker Mayfield, still comparing him to Johnny Manziel, which we've talked about on this show before, is just, at this point, stupid. Uh, So that's the first thing I wanted to point out. Mike Greenberg says, sure, yeah, why not? If he could be the fourth pick, why can't he be the number one pick? Jalen Rose, Michelle Beadle, you could tell we're like, no, this is the Browns have done this before. We've seen this with Johnny Manziel. Obviously, you and I side more with Mike Greenberg, I would assume, because we both think Mayfield's the best quarterback in this class, even though I did have some negative things to say about Baker at the start. Uh, even though I said those things at the start of the show about Baker Mayfield, I still think if I was the Browns, I would take Mayfield over any of these other quarterbacks. Uh, we have a what, okay. I'll just say this: What are your thoughts on on any of that? Because uh, again, there's a lot of ways we could go here with that that hot take of the week. Well, with Greenberg, I mean, when he says if he's good enough to be, you know, the fourth pick, he's good enough to be the first pick for this particular draft in a you know in a bubble. I mean, he's right, especially this year. I mean, there's there's three quarterbacks and there's there's three quarterbacks who who seem to be in play for the number one pick and there's been lots of talk about those guys um throughout the entire process now now baker has never really been mentioned alongside darnold as much as as he has been but it's not i mean this isn't the first time we've heard that baker mayfield is in play with the browns and let's let's also pump the brakes on this i mean this happens every year it was Adam Schefter who reported it. The Browns are putting a story out there for a reason. I highly doubt they're going to take Baker Mayfield. So let's, I mean, just, can we just pump the brakes on that right now? This is very clearly the Browns putting a story out there because they want to try to leverage picks. So let's let's just be honest with us, with, with ourselves. They're, they're either going to take Darnold or Allen, and that's what's going to happen. So, um Outside of that, you know, I, I, I you're right. I, I agree with Mike Greenberg there. I, I, I really don't have a lot of respect for Jalen Rose if he's not talking about the NBA. Um, 
you know, I, I don't really have an opinion on Michelle Beadle. Um, so yeah, I, you can, I don't know. What would what, you, what'd you think about Greenberg Lee? Well, yeah. So, I mean, sure. I mean, I, again, I think he was just kind of trying to be different because maybe he knew the other two were, were against it. Uh, I want to talk more about Jalen Rose. I'm, I don't, what was I going to say? Uh, I generally agree. I mean, to me, it's, oh, it's, to me, it shows that he doesn't really have a whole lot of football NFL type knowledge or background, at least from this draft, because if, if the next, if you say no, 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 no Baker Mayfield, but then the, the guy he comes up with is Lamar Jackson. So you're saying that Lamar Jackson should be the number one pick. And sure. I mean, his argument was obviously because Deshaun Watson looked really good last year and, and Deshaun Watson he should basically he thinks Deshaun Watson should have been the number one guy. So he's basically comparing uh, Lamar Jackson to Deshaun Watson. Okay. Well, the thing is though, Deshaun Watson was a heck of a lot more accurate in college than Lamar Jackson, and just a I'd say as, as a as a quarterback, I think Deshaun Watson was just was better than Lamar Jackson. Deshaun Watson, in theory, could have probably won two Heisman trophies, just didn't didn't win any. I mean, he was really really good in college and I think a better overall quarterback than Lamar Jackson was in college in my opinion so uh it wasn't that surprising to see Deshaun Watson have those flashes of brilliance this year now it sucks he got hurt so we'll we'll see hopefully he can recover and we can see more of that um so I think it's interesting that he brought up Lamar Jackson to me that kind of canceled out his his whole take that Mayfield shouldn't be the number one pick because if you're going to argue that Mayfield should be the number one pick you should be arguing well it should be either Sam Darnold or or I don't even think Josh Allen's a good argument, even Josh Rosen. But if you're going to say, what about Lamar Jackson? To me, you're just you're kind of punting on the topic. And then to me also, Michelle Beadle, it seemed like she just didn't even want to talk about the NFL. She was more interested in getting back to talking about the NBA playoffs. Because clearly she's more of a basketball person uh, than, than, in a, uh, than football person. So those are my thoughts on it. Uh, the, the one other part of the bite that I wanted to, to bring up with you that I thought was interesting is that Greenberg brought up, hey – why not take if the Browns like Mayfield, why not take Saquon Barkley at one and then roll the dice and hope that Mayfield's there at four? And on this podcast, Grant, you've said you think the Browns should obviously take at number one Bradley Chubb because he's a great pass rusher and then just kind of take a quarterback at four, whoever falls to them. So what are your that like what are your thoughts on Greenberg saying uh, Barkley at one and then maybe whoever maybe get Baker at four if he's there? Mm, I, I think I I wouldn't do that. I, I think I, I've, I've shifted my thinking on there. I, I don't think they should take Chubb number one. Um, I think should think about it, but I, I think they should probably get their quarterback, whoever whoever they want at number one, while while they still have the pick of literally everyone in the draft there. Because I think Chubb is still likely to be there on the fourth pick. And it, it seems to me kind of the consensus now amongst all the insiders I've read and all the mock drafts I've read that that's exactly what's going to happen. The Browns are going to take Bradley Chubb. So um, I, I'm I'm glad that I got John Dorsey on the phone a couple months ago and I did and convinced him because I'm but hey I'm actually as a as a Colts fan this doesn't actually upset me that much because there's lots of smoke uh, from the Colts headquarters that they they really like Roquan Smith at six and that really excites me. I'll have to go back and reread Greg Cosell's write up on Roquan Smith because I I read it once and I remember he's. He thinks Roquan Smith is really good, which he clearly is. Best I mean, college Smith linebacker is, I have ever seen. And it's maybe yeah, I mean, not even remotely close. Uh, he is, gosh, he's good. Grant, where is Baker going to get drafted? Where is Mayfield going to go if you had to make a prediction right now? 
I think all signs look uh, number three to the Jets, I think, is what's going to happen, it looks like. Uh, that seems to be, if there is a consensus forming in the NFL community, that seems to be it. I think so, too. I think the Jets are the team, and unless the Jets are, are really playing it up and trying to set a smoke screen that, hey, we, we really want Baker Mayfield, but really they're trying to do something else. I think right now the best prediction is to the Jets, and talking about fit, I would be very much against that as far as getting the most out of Baker Mayfield because, sure, it'd be cool for Baker Mayfield to be in New York City. I'm sure that'd be awesome for him and whatever. I don't think it's going to affect the way, you know, his work ethic and whatnot. It's just the Jets as an organization and as an offense right now, I think, are uh, is not good, are not good. Uh, they have a defensive head coach in uh, Todd Bowles. And then we talked about their offensive coordinator either last week or the week before. I can't remember who it was, uh, when it was, uh, but now I'm forgetting who it was. Jeremy Bates, I believe, is their offensive coordinator. And he's a guy who's been, who'd been out of the league for years. I just I don't think he is a, is a big-time offensive mind, and I would be very scared about Mayfield going to the Jets. I, I'd much rather, I think I've said this before, I'd rather have him go to the Browns with Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator and Hugh Jackson as an offensive coach than going to the Jets in that situation. What do you think about fit for Baker Mayfield in New York? Um, well, I mean, just as, as a purely partisan OU, you know, Baker guy, I don't want him anywhere near Cleveland. You're insane for thinking that. Um, I don't care who his offensive coordinator is. I don't, I mean, no, I don't want him anywhere near Cleveland. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with the jets. I I think if there's, um, of course I'd prefer him to go with more of an offensive minded team, but it's not, it's not necessary. You never know. What if, what if for whatever reason, him and Jeremy Bates just like work really well together. You know, I, I, this, um, Bill Belichick certainly isn't an offensive guy. Um, Tom Brady has been fine in new England. He's kind of had to do it himself in that respect. Well, Bill Belichick's Um, learned offense over the years though. I think he's turned into an offensive guy. Over the years, oh maybe. I mean, we have we have no evolved. way of, we have no way of knowing that. But I mean, I'm pretty sure. With the, I think it's been written about and so like that. I think it's pretty pretty well known knowledge that he's sure. Okay, fine, sure. That, I mean, that's fine. But you know, there, there, there's a reason why you know Brady is always linked to you know Charlie Weiss and Josh McDaniels and who's a Romeo Cornell back in the day. Um, you know, th- those were his offensive coordinators, and it wasn't Belichick. So it, it's it, it can be done. You know, who knows? I, I think we should just wait and see what happens. Um, I, I don't know if there's been any study done about, you know, young quarterbacks and if they go to offensive or defensive minded coaches, you know, and until we get data for that, I just I, I, I don't know if it's something that we can freak out about until we have reason to freak out unless there's like conclusive data to point out that the, it's it's not a good idea. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I think there's certainly worse spots for Baker Mayfield to end up than than the Jets. Hmm. All right. So we disagree about that with Jets and Browns, uh, just because I mean, obviously, you're using the history of the Browns as a reason why, which is well, is, yeah, is legitimate criticism. They're sure. they're historically a, a a dysfunctional franchise. It's there. There. There's. It, it's. It goes. I don't care if they have new like ownership or new management in there. There is something with that franchise, and there, there's there's a rot in that franchise, and until it's figured out or until they get the right people in there to figure it out, then yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't want anyone to go to Cleveland. Awful. So of all the teams who have been discussed in where Mayfield might end up, let's, let's list them off. So there's Cleveland, and you know how Grant and I feel about Cleveland. The Giants, perhaps, at number two. 
the Jets, which we've talked about the Jets now. Denver at five, which I saw that John Elway now is shopping the fifth pick. So maybe Denver is either doing a smokescreen or maybe they don't like Baker Mayfield anymore. Who knows? So in the top five, there's that. And then other teams that I've heard about maybe trying to trade a bit. Uh, you know, there's Miami, who we've talked about, probably unlikely unless they trade it up. And also bu- Buffalo, probably unlikely unless they trade up, obviously. And then Arizona. So of all those teams, if I had to pick one team for him to go to, obviously, I think we both agree on this. Miami would be the best place with Adam Gase there because Adam Gase has never had a, a guy with, I think, as much potential as Baker Mayfield. Outside of Miami, though, it's tough. It's tough. Arizona, no, probably Arizona for me. Mike McCoy is the offensive coordinator there. Yeah. Be with Bradford. That'd be interesting. Uh, Buffalo's offensive coordinator now, Grant, is Brian Dable, the guy that was just at Alabama. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, I that's right. Um, they, they didn't really like Brian Dable all that much in Tuscaloosa. Um. Mm. You know, that's he's interesting, though. He, experience. he does, but, you know, I, I guess, you know, what if he does, you know, the, the RPOs and whatnot? I, I, I yeah. don't think I, Buffalo is, you know, man, I don't know. That, that, that's another franchise that's just not a, you know, I, they, I know they went to four straight Super Bowls in the 80s and the early 90s, but, I mean, for, for, for the last decade, I mean, that's just been a, that's also been a black hole of a franchise. I know this, this past year they went to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. Um, yeah, you know, Lee, I mean, when you're picking this high, it's it's not a it's never a great thing. But if you're yeah, if, if you had to pick the three teams that I think he fits the best with, um, it's I, I think it's the Giants, the Broncos, and the the Dolphins in no particular order or in draft order. Whew. And the Giants to me are kind of iffy, honestly. But uh, yeah, no, there I he would throw to to Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard, not iffy. Mm, yeah, I mean we we haven't seen the Giants though with their with their new coach with Pat Shermer as their coach. I think I I I watched a lot of Vikings football this, this past year. Pat Shermer was 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 brilliant this past season. He he, he made he made okay. Case he made Case Keenum who is who is not a competent NFL quarterback into one of the five best quarterbacks in the league this past season. And and it was it was mostly it was I'll, I'll give it. Here's the funny thing. I will I, I will I will give four people credit for Case Keenum's turnaround this past season. Number one credit goes to Pat Shermer. Number two and number three credit goes to Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. And number four credit goes to Case Keenum. And I'm dead serious about that. That that's that's how good his supporting cast was this year. And it, it was it was led by Shermer. So yeah, I mean I, I I know what you mean. And I know I know he's a failed coach of the Browns as well. But is the Browns? So let's 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 be real here. Yeah. Then he made some good points there. He had some good points. I liked it. All right, we're about done here. We've gotten a little longer than I thought we would, honestly. We had a lot of thoughts. I love it. Way to bring it today. Uh, any other NFL draft uh, thoughts? I mean, we it was mainly it was mainly quarterback centric. We didn't really get to other OU players because honestly, I it's like what are we gonna say? Like, oh, Mark Andrews. I think he's gonna go in the late first round. Like, I, we don't know. Okay, so, let's. Do you are, are are you still holding out hope that Andrews is gonna be a first round pick? I don't know. He, I don't know. Oh, you he mean? Oh, oh, yeah, oh, no, he's not at all. I've I haven't seen him in the first round in three months. He's gonna be he's gonna be a mid third round pick probably. Third round pick. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Bra- Orlando Brown is gonna drop to the second. Mark Andrews will be a third round pick. Um, I think Flowers will be taken in the mid round somewhere. Who who else am I thinking of? Um, Obo. 
Uh, Oboe, I think, will be drafted probably in the third-ish round. Uh, and, and we can we we can revisit these. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, Lampkin, I don't think is going to get drafted. Who well, else? I could, see him getting, I could see Lampkin getting drafted who, just because who, of the potential. That's right. Yeah, I suppose. He, and he had a big pro day too, uh, physically. So maybe um, another guy, Stephen Parker, I think had a pretty decent pro day. I, I'd be surprised if he got drafted. Jordan Thomas, will he get drafted? Yes, I think he is going to get drafted. Uh, I think that'll be interesting. He's going to be a, a he'll, he's going to be a guy who's in the seventh round or so. Um, who who Lee, who is the guy who had the huge? It was Bedet. Bedet. Oh yeah, the, had the yeah, big Jeff pro Bidette. day. Oh, I don't know, but he might get drafted. He might because just, he's just speed alone. If if Al Davis is still alive, yeah, sure and you know he's the Raiders he, would take him. And and Bedet has has put has put a few years of of good film on tape too. So he 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 didn't. It wasn't just one year at OU. He he had some good years at at Kentucky as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. I mean, we'll have a lot more with the with aside from Mayfield, all these other guys. It'll be a lot more interesting to talk about after the draft where they go. We can kind of, I don't know. I mean, look at the situation, whatever team they go to, and kind of decide if they're going to be players who have a shot to play right away or make the team, or depending on who they are. So, uh, outside of that, I mean, the only other. The hot take that I have that I've said before, I think I, I just I don't think Saquon Barkley is as good of a prospect as Ezekiel Elliott was, as Leonard Fournette was obviously going way back to Adrian Peterson as he was. And even but the hottest take, I, I think Christian McCaffrey was a better prospect last year than than Saquon Barkley. So I think it's crazy that he's being discussed as the number one pick potentially or even the number two pick. Uh, I'm not saying he's not gonna, he's not going to be a good player because I mean he's got all the tools. It's just what he did at Penn State, like people are just like forgetting that he wasn't a carry the mail bell cow type guy there. I mean he was kind of like a flashy Reggie Bush type player who caught passes, which I know is important now. But what if he goes to a team that doesn't have an offense that throws the ball out of the backfield? What if he goes to a team that doesn't utilize him properly and they want him to run between the tackles and be a three down back? I don't know if he can do that. He might be able to. But I was pretty sure that Ezekiel Elliott was going to be able to do that. Leonard Fournette, Adrian Peterson, uh, McCaffrey. I, I'm not saying he could have been like a three-down guy. I mean, the Panthers are using him pretty much the way I figured he'd be used. Uh, but anyways, that's that's my hot take on the draft aside from quarterback stuff. Is Saquon Barkley? I there's no way I'd I'd take him in the top five or top ten. I mean, he's I, there's other needs there. There's other players I think that are going to be more um, valuable moving forward than uh than him so I, I i don't i don't think he's a slam dunk my god this guy's gonna change a team what do you think um you know i i think some of the things you said there were kind of crazy um he's definitely a better prospect than mccaffrey i not i i i think he's i think he's equivalent in in, in, in quality of prospect to ezekiel elliott and i and i think he's a better prospect than Fournette is um I, I just his his explosiveness is is kind of unseen, and I think I think I, I think Elliott is a is, is a more polished player for sure. Um, but Barkley is out of out of everyone you've mentioned. I think Barkley is by far the most explosive out of all of them. And he and outside of McCaffrey, he I, he catches the ball just as well as McCaffrey does. So and he's big, he's huge. Um, and you're right, you know he's he's he he hasn't really shown an ability to run between the tackles. Um, and, and I, I think, I think it's a waste of a pick to pick him in the top 10, unless you're a team that, you know, is already kind of loaded and is just looking for that missing piece, kind of like the Cowboys were a couple years ago with Zeke Elliott. So, um, I, I, I don't, I, I just don't think the value of a running back is that of a, of a top 10 pick. 
and I'm and I don't care if it's Adrian Peterson or Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley. That's how I feel. Any other draft thoughts that we haven't covered, or should we wrap it up? Just I mean, just that this is I this is by far the most anticipated dra- draft in my lifetime. This is the most drama leading up to a draft that I can possibly remember, just with trades and all of the things that are going on in the lead. This might be this might be kind of like the end of the Patriots dynasty. Do they know that? Are they going to react in the draft in kind because of that? This is this is I, I have I I just can't remember a time when I've been this excited for the draft. I cannot wait for tomorrow. It's going to be insane. All right, that is our show. One note for next week's episode. Keep uh, keep track of our Facebook page for updates. There's a chance that I will be in St. Louis next Wednesday for Cardinals-White Sox. It's all, it's all dependent on whether or not the Oklahoma City Thunder is going to decide to come back from down 3-1, which I would say is pretty unlikely at this point. Anyways, the point being is I'm not sure when we'll be able to record the pod. We're thinking of maybe recording a day early so I, we can get it out. Uh, that, that will probably change the release date. Maybe uh, the podcast will come out a day earlier or later than normal. So just kind of keep, uh, keep our Facebook page in mind. We'll try to update you the best as we can. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.